it was a really weird uh, day for me. It was, I, I really don't know why it went so bad, but it just went, kept going downhill with you know, the, the blacking out and overheating. And it was just not a good place for me that year. But, but I managed to hang on to third. So boom, there was, it is. <laughs> I was pretty happy. Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hello, here we are again. What is <laughs> that accent? I don't know. You gotta start. Like, let's just start. <laughs> Hey, how what, you doing? What's going on in the world of <laughs> Gotta Run, run racing. racing? What's going on? Island Classic in person. Finally. Three weeks today. Labor Day Monday. Oh, wow, it's now we're getting nerve time. Oh, it's going to be awesome to see all our friends again. Yeah. Yeah. And virtuals we've got. We run the north. We are in beautiful Cape Breton Highlands, Nova Scotia. Mm, can't wait to get there one day. Yeah, it looks pretty epic. And we've got Rainbow Trail Run, virtual. Virtual. Couldn't get the permit, but virtual still happening. That's right. I'm already planning for next year. And we have the Monarch Ultra. Which is going to be coming up soon. The Relay in Southern Ontario is coming up next month. And the virtual is ongoing. So if you can't participate in the Relay and you want to participate somehow, some way, support Camp Kawartha. We send you a lovely swag. Um, buff and metal and support the monarchs and support the monarchs yes <laughs> all right and who's on the podcast today where do we begin <laughs> bev anderson abs if you look her up on ultra sign up yeah you're gonna have to take three steps back <laughs> that's right that's get, right to get the big number because we all know that the ranking on ultra sign up can be a little bit skewed right yeah in this lady's case, it is absolutely telling the truth. 197 trophies, 99.51% age ranking. That tells the story of this yes. lady's so achievements. We're, we're wondering, where, what do we talk about? Where do we be begin? What do you want to focus on? You know what? Let's just get her on the podcast yeah. and let's just start the beginning and take it from there. I agree. Let's do it. <laughs> Coming up. Well, Bev, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the Gotta Run Racing podcast. Oh, well, it's nice to be here. I think we first really became aware of you when we watched the Barkley uh, on <laughs> Netflix a few years back. But then, of course, time goes by, and we were reminded of your uh, running achievements by Dr. John Onate, who we had chatted with just after Western States. And he said, have you guys talked to Bev Anderson Abs yet? And we said, no, but we need to. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> well, I'm glad he got us in contact. John's Absolutely. been a good friend for a lot of years. So, uh, Where are you from originally? Because we know you live in California now. Yeah, I'm originally from Calgary, Alberta. Okay. So I'm a Canadian. And although I've been in California for I think longer now than I lived in Canada, I still feel like a Canadian. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> we like to hear that. It's hard to take that out. <laughs> you have such a extensive running resume. We don't know what to, to talk about or where to begin. 
But I, <laughs> what, what I would like to do is just go back to the beginning on the day where you were running uh, cross country and a doctor told you something. <laughs> Let's relive that one day and then I want to go into your... <laughs> that, I've had so many doctors tell me that over the years that <laughs> I'm not sure which one to go to, but I suppose one yeah. happened in like 2010. Mm. I, I had been doing ultras for, oh, seven years at that point. Um, you know, I did my first Western States in 2005. I'd been running those. And then in 2009, my knee really started bothering me. And I went in and I was, went to the doctor. I was getting cortisone injections. I was getting hyaluronic acid injections. I was doing everything. And the doctor finally said, well, why don't we go in and do an exploratory of your knee, see if there's something that we can do. If there's something torn that's not showing up in MRIs or something. So they did that and found that all of the articular cartilage in my right knee was pretty much just shredded. Mm. It was little fibers of cartilage. So they cleaned that out, left it bone on bone. And that's when, when he just flat said, you can't run. You will not ever run again. And I was like, well, I'm not sure I am ready to hear that. So I'll keep trying. I'll do what I can. And I went to a, another friend who was a physical therapist and started seeing him and he was getting me back going. And after about three months with him, he sat down with me and he said, I want to tell you this. Your doctor called me the other day and he said that my only job was to convince you, you will never run again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, it, I mean, it just, it pretty much destroyed me. I spent months just crying every chance I had yeah. every time I was alone. Um, but I still, I wasn't willing to accept that. And I started just going out to the track where it was a fairly soft surface and I could run like the straight part of the track. I couldn't do the curves because it would put too much torque on the knee, but I could run the straight part. And then I gradually just started building that up. And it, at some point I, I was running like 10 miles on the track, but I wouldn't leave the track because mm -hmm. it was nice and soft. And I knew that I was safe there. I knew exactly how my feet were going to land. <laughs> um, and then eventually I, I ventured off you know, onto trails where I knew it was fairly soft, but still open trails. So nothing technical. Mm -hmm. I'd know exactly how my feet were going to land. I knew what my knee was going to do. And then just eventually started building back up and, and yeah, <laughs> got back to it. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll hear from a friend who knows that doctor. And I guess the doctor's always at asking about whether I'm still running or not. He still doesn't believe I'm even <laughs> able to run. So there if, it is. If that Never were listen me, to your doctor. If that were me, <laughs> I would be sending him photos from every race that I did and that I podium with a little love note saying, still Thank running. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> yes, still yeah. running. <laughs> Thanks for cleaning the knee out. Still going. <laughs> That's incredible. 
but before that you you had some some pretty uh difficulties with running and your knee even dating back as far as high school is that right yeah that's true um when i was in high school i mean junior high high school running was what i did i did track i did cross country any chance i got i would run and in grade 12 you know i was going through the cross country season we got to the championships and there was a really bad downhill where the footing was really weird and off. And I, I got to the bottom of that big downhill, had a final climb to the finish. And I kind of, you know, I felt my knee pop as I was going down and made it down, did the climb to the finish at a a horrifying limp. And, you know, my mom took me to the doctor and of course, doctor (laughs) said, yeah, you're you're never going to run again. Give it up. And, you know, at that time, 17, you're going, oh, a doctor knows what he's talking about. Mm. So I, I gave it up. I stopped running and I started bodybuilding and doing all these other things. And it was probably six years. I never ran a step. Wow. And then I just started testing things and doing little runs and stuff and eventually built back into it. So, you know, I've always had trouble with my knees. And even now when I had my knees x-rayed a little while ago and the doctor pulled up the x-rays and said, you know, this is why you have knee troubles because my kneecaps sit lateral and tilted. Mm-hmm. So they, the keel on the bottom of the kneecap just grinds against the femur and tibia heads. Right. So it's, you know, it's always been a problem. They've always been off. I just have to, learn to deal with it. And if I keep the medial head of my quad really strong, Mm. I can keep it better. I can keep it so that the kneecaps track a little bit better. And then I've, I've learned how to tape to help hold everything in place. And it's just, it's been a lot of, it's been a lot of trial and error and keeping (laughs) things in place. (laughs) So, so many doctors have told you running is not going to happen. It's not in your future. So let's talk about your extensive running career now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have you got an hour? (laughs) (laughs) We could just put it up on the credits on our video just so that people can see it. I want want to start back at uh, Equal Challenge, actually. Yeah. Let's let's talk about how that, that goes back to what year was Equal Challenge back? Late nineties, early. Uh, we did Eco Challenge in twenty in two thousand, and that was born. So, and right? we'd been adventure racing. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So, and we had been doing adventure races prior to that for two years. So, a lot of adventure racing leading up to that, and then Eco Challenge, where we spent nine days out in the jungles of Borneo. <laughs> <laughs> carried on with that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously you had done a lot of cross training at that time, but I believe Norm had mentioned that you, you were a cyclist as well. So having the two strengths leading into that made it a little bit easier to tackle such a crazy (laughs) challenge. I was really into cycling. You know, that was sort of coming out of that end of 
not running at all for mm-hmm. several years. I got into bike racing and that's how I met my husband was through bike racing mm. and we did a lot of bike racing and you know, that was, that was what kept us going and kept us in shape and what we enjoyed doing. And then when we moved to Northern California, it was really difficult to get to bike races because there really weren't a lot of races up there. So we started dabbling in adventure races because our thinking was, if we're going to drive to a race, we want the race to be longer than the drive. (laughs) (laughs) So we started looking at, you know, these bike races were generally an hour, maybe two, if you did a long road race, adventure races, we could drive for six hours and race for 12 or 24 (laughs) or whatever. So it made more sense to us to start doing those. And we got into the adventure racing and, as we started doing more adventure racing, we started looking around at teams that were beating us and the teams that were beating us were running more than we were. So, you know, Alan said to me one day, you know, you got to run. We've got to, if we're going to win, you've got to run. And that's what sort of pushed me to start running more and started. And then we started doing ultras to train for the adventure races (laughs) and got into the ultras that way. And then eventually it just sort of drifted into the ultras a couple of years after eco challenge, um, you know, adventure races were getting super expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the races were just turning into sort of glorified mountain bike races. Mm. And by then we had become sort of a stronger running team. You know, we weren't, we'd go out and do these adventure races and it's like, you know, 12 hours of biking and half an hour on foot. And it's not what we want to do. So (laughs) we just kind of dropped the adventure racing and moved into the, the ultras from there. But now, I, I believe you actually uh, participated in Primal Quest a couple of times. Is that yes, right? Yes, we did. Yes. We, yeah, yeah. Um, believe it we or did. not. Sorry, I was just going to say, believe it or not. Um, our neighbors. David Egbert and Maria Burton live in our town. The directors. <laughs> the directors of, oh, really? of Primal Quest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're friends with them. So <laughs> we mentioned oh, wow. that we were going to be chatting with you today. And they said, oh, yes, we know Bev very well. Say, say hello. Say hi. <laughs> Say hi to them for me. <laughs> sure will. Sure. Well, you just did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Primal Quest. Um, that was another good series of races. Um, we did. I think it was the second one in Telluride, which was a pretty tough race, being at high elevation as well as being Primal Quest. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years later, we did the one up in Washington that was largely in the the islands off of the Washington coast. Did you watch the uh, new version of the eco challenge on prime this? I guess it was last year. Now I did. <laughs> what did, <laughs> what you, did you think? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, um, <laughs> Mark Burnett's not a fan. I, so <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it was definitely not what the old eco challenges were. And, you know, talking to some of the people who did it, it was, by the sounds of it, very much modified to allow for teams who really had no business being out there to be able to finish. (laughs) So there were long stretches that were 
marked, which is just, I mean, that's unheard of right. in there was, there an adventure no race like that. And yeah, yeah and it, we were kind of surprised by that because there was one scene, I think it was a cycling scene where they were focusing on, I don't remember which team, but you could see arrows in the background. <laughs> what? What is going on here? There's arrows marking the course? So, and then, yeah, when we talked to the people that we knew who had done it, they said, oh yeah, there were huge sections that were marked. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was kind of different that way, but <laughs> well, no, Dave, it, it is what it is. <laughs> Dave, Dave was there because he had his team to support. So we also did get the inside scoop of the, of the background of what's going on here. Of, at the equal challenge and we were just kind of in shock as well that the fact that yeah it's, yeah. it's made for tv it, it, it became a reality show which yeah. is unfortunate right right and then you know some other things like where the teams were doing the that swim at one point and they brought them out and they were you know, the, the crew there at the aid station was wrapping them up and taking care of them and doing all this stuff and, and we were like Wait, that would have decued us. <laughs> that would have been the end of the race. <laughs> what? What is this? <laughs> so yeah, it was just it was definitely a, a TV focused event. But, but it, and that having been said, we we did actually get a team together to try to get into the yeah. next one, yeah. which unfortunately has not happened. So right. Yeah. And if you think of it in the fact that it attracted people to the sport, even just to watch it, you, we don't know how many people it's inspired just to start running or start cycling. Right. There's positives in it, but for those of the, especially you and the Dave and the Maria's of the world who still are working on primal quest to put on live events, it kind of takes away from what the essence or where the sport came from, but you know, right. to each his own, to yeah. each his own. <laughs> right. That's how I got into ultra running myself. I was an adventure racer first, then I got into ultra running. So I do thank yeah. Equal Challenge for getting me off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, something like that, it, it definitely has its place for getting people out there. And, you know, when you look at the teams that they focused on, a lot of them were really the the families and the, <laughs> yeah. the people that a lot of non-adventure racers could look at and go, Hey, that could be me. Right. I can go out and do this kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, from that aspect, yeah. more power to it. It was, it was great for that. And I know a lot of people who watched it and are now out starting to do some runs and walks and buying bikes. And so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm all for that kind of stuff, but you know, don't, don't sell it as eco challenge, <laughs> but it's, it was a good thing overall, I think. So I want to uh, fast forward a few years about your Western States career. Um, you, you uh, either placed top three in the four times that I know that you've finished it. I was wondering if you could, but then 2009, there was something specific that happened that I thought it was interesting. If you, you were running in 2009 and then you just, blacked out or fainted or something like that yeah 2009 it was a weird year <laughs> hey guys if you like what you're hearing so far give us a like and follow our social media facebook instagram youtube 
You can find all that at GottaRunRacing.com. Did you know the monarch butterfly is the ultra runner of the insect world? Covering over 4,000 kilometers every year during their migration from Mexico to Canada. Is that what they mean when they say the butterfly effect? That was a weird movie. We've launched the Monarch Ultra Virtual 10K. You can run, walk, hike, bike, or flap your wings virtually anytime, any place. You'll receive a beautiful two-sided medal featuring a stunning monarch, as well as a custom neck gaiter, all while supporting Camp Kawartha in Peterborough. Our goal is to have 430 participants across North America, each completing 10K, representing the collective distance of the monarch's migration. Sprint to GottaRunRacing.com for more details. Now, back to the show. 05 through 05, 06, 07, I had really solid years and I was second each time. And then in 08, that was really when my knee started being an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also the year that the fires canceled Western states. Mm. So everything got pushed to 09. And I was still having trouble with my knee and you know all kinds of other things going on, but felt pretty good. And I was running and I think the problem, and I, I don't honestly know what was going on, but I think it was really hot, but not hot enough for me to, to consciously say this is hot mm-hmm. and treat it as that. And I think I got behind on my, my water and dealing with the heat issues and coming out of last chance, there's a long downhill. Um, and I, I, I just started blacking out. Ooh. I'd be running down this downhill. And, you know, at one point I was running and then I was staring at the sky <laughs> and I was <laughs> off the trail in a bush and have no idea what happened. And I oh, kind of picked myself up and started going again. And I just kept getting these dizzy spells going down and, you know, falling over and just not able to control myself. And down near the bottom of that hill, I started getting dizzy and wobbly and I wandered off, still trying to keep a run going, wandered off the trail a little bit and slammed my foot on a rock and I broke my toe, (laughs) which, you know, helped me come out of whatever was going on in my head to some extent because it was painful, but I kept going and I just... I never was able to come out of that. And, you know, from, from there on, every time I crossed a stream, I'd just lay down in the water and try to cool myself down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I came into Michigan Bluff and my pacer was there, Joe. And he, he was looking at me like there was something seriously wrong and headed me over to one of the table, one of the massage tables. And they, the people there at the aid station started putting wet towels around me and the the paramedics who were there came over and were talking to Joe and they said, she's not going on. We're not letting her leave this aid station. And he took them aside and said, just give her a few minutes, let us cool her down. She's going to be fine. So they backed off and they got me cooled down and my eyes my pupils came back down to normal size <laughs> and they, they actually let me go. And I carried on and, you know, with Joe there, I, well, he wasn't there at that point, but I knew he was going to pick me up in forest Hill. 
So all I had to do was get from Michigan to Lefter Forest Hill. Mm -hmm. And then from there on, again, every time we crossed one of those little streams, he would lay me down in the water and try to cool me off a little more. And then by the time we got down to the river, it was cooling down and the, the river crossing allowed me to get my body temperature back down. And after that, it was just kind of finishing off. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really weird uh, day for me. It was, I, I really don't know why it went so bad, but it just went, kept going downhill with you know, the, the blacking out and overheating. And it was just not a good place for me that year. But, but I managed to hang on to third. So Boom, there it is. <laughs> I was pretty happy. That's the punchline Norm was waiting for. <laughs> Incredible. It, it, it's, it's amazing that the ordeal you went through, but people just quit after it's too hot or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't give themselves the time to, to recover, recover or... and you can still, you can still get this thing done. Yeah. It's all mental strength to you. Absolutely. Mental strength. Absolutely. <laughs> well, they always say that, uh, give it 15 minutes in an ultra, you can go from feeling your best to feeling your worst. So you can't, you can right. never just call it. Yeah. And <laughs> definitely that happens. And, you know, even then for that, I, at Michigan bluff, I was probably there for 20, 25 minutes. And that made a huge difference. I was still in a hole, but it made a huge difference for me being able to continue to forest Hill and not be blacking out on the way there. So you know, that can make a big difference for you. And I've seen people who have been ready to quit and they lay down on a cot somewhere. And, you know, an hour later, they're running like they just started the race because they've just given their body that period of time that it needed to process what was going on. Mm-hmm. And they can come back and do amazingly well after that. Well, look, at I've Camille. never had quite that much. Right. <laughs> But look at Camille Heron at this year's event. She took a three hour nap. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, a, yeah. Sometimes that's what you need. Yeah. And you may not win if you nope. take that three hours, but it, it allows you to get to the finish and, and, you know, not DNF it. And there's too <laughs> many people who are willing to just say, I feel bad. I'm not going to get the position I wanted. So I'm out. Right. And that's, to me, that's unfortunate. And it, it kind of disrespects the race to do that. You know, a lot of people want to get into some of these races. And if you're there, I think you should respect the race enough to give it everything you've got. Do you have any aspirations to go back to Western Bev? Not really. No. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, you know, it's partly because of my knees. I, Mm. my knees are bad. And yeah. the big mountain downhills are really hard on them. So mm-hmm. that's, it's something that I just, I'm sort of staying away from that kind of race. I can do big downhills, mountain downhills for 50 K yeah. beyond that. It just gets really awful. Right. So, and people keep asking me if I'm going to do the Barkley again. And it's, you know, it's the same, same answer. It's like my knees just wouldn't handle that anymore. Right. <laughs> well, in 2005, I noticed based on your resume that you were going for the Grand Slam. Was that was that was happening? Because you did uh, Wasatch, Vermont, and, and yes, and Western. Yeah, so, the, but 
it didn't exactly go well at Leadville. And I was wondering what happened to Leadville. <laughs> um, Leadville was another story. <laughs> <laughs> so Western States was great. Vermont was great. And then Leadville, of course, is all at altitude. The low point is 9,200 feet or something. Uh, and it goes up, up over 14. And I don't live at altitude. Mm. Uh, and so we went up to do Leadville and I was doing quite well for, I think, like the first 30 miles. And then the altitude just hit me. And mm. you, know, you have to go up over Hope Pass and then turn around and come back over mm. Hope Pass, which mm. is the high point. And I started climbing up Hope Pass on the way out. And I went from like first place woman to almost dead last in the race because I wow. just could not walk. I couldn't even walk. I was, the altitude hit me so hard. But I got up and over it and I, I picked up my pacer who hadn't planned on pacing me until after I had gotten back to the other side. I said, I just, I don't think I'll be able to make it over on my own. I, mm. I get to that altitude and I'm done. Mm -hmm. So he came with me um, and going up over Hope Pass on the way back, there were rainstorms. It was pretty miserable mountain weather, standard mountain weather. We got to the aid station sort of near the top of Hope Pass. And I, I said, I have to stop. I need to take a break. Um, and we went into a, one of the tents and, you know, everyone who had been going the other way had already been in the tents and trying to warm up and dry off. So all the blankets and towels were wet oh. and everything was just awful. <laughs> so I sat there shivering and not feeling any better for probably half an hour or more. Mm -hmm. And then I finally said to my pacer, okay, I've got to get down. I mean, nothing is going to get me better sitting at the high point on the course. Right. So we started heading down and I just didn't feel any better at all. And I got down and I don't recall the names of the, the aid stations at Leadville, but we got to the next aid station and I picked up a new pacer who happened to be a firefighter, which was awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> we headed out and, you know, he, he had been told that I was really struggling and I was cold and had, was having all these problems and it was getting dark and starting to get cold. So he had packed up his pack with jackets and all kinds of warm clothing. Nice. And we started heading out and I just started getting slower and slower mm -hmm. and slower. And finally, about uh, maybe four or five miles from the next aid station, uh, I just, I couldn't go. I couldn't move. And he just threw me over his shoulder <laughs> and, and carried me to the next aid station, <laughs> wrapped me up in these jackets he had brought, carried me to the next aid station where they, you know, they wrapped me up and put heat things on, under my arms and tried to get me stabilized. And the doctor, my crew had come up from the fish hatchery and the doctor turned to them and he just said, get her off this mountain. She cannot be here. She's got pulmonary edema get her Ooh. off the mountain. Jeez. So they got me as low as they could, as fast as they could, and just started clearing my lungs out and stuff. And so that was, yeah, that was a pretty bad 
um, scary situation for me. Your Canadian heritage living in Calgary, one of the coldest places in Canada, didn't didn't carry through to your uh, <laughs> capabilities I of handling. I do not do cold. <laughs> I, people are always saying that you're from Canada. How can you not handle cold? It's like, no, <laughs> there's a reason I live in California. I do not do cold. <laughs> well, from so yeah, who, it was bad. <laughs> from someone who knows Leadville, I actually did DNF my first time, but I was able to finish it the second time. To this day, that is probably the hardest race I've ever done is Leadville. So. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I... There's a little thing in the back of my head that keeps saying you should go back just to finish it, but I just don't want to put myself through that mm. that altitude stuff because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen, and that yeah. was so scary for me yeah. that I just I don't want to put myself through that. And it was kind of weird because you know we'd done Primal Quest in Telluride, mm-hmm. which is same kind of elevation and I had no problems there. So I thought Leadville would be a piece of cake as far as elevation. And then for whatever reason, it just hit me and that was it. So yeah. well that's the thing with elevation. It's, Sickness. It could happen to anybody anytime. Yeah. No I, matter what your physical yeah. shape is for sure. I, yeah. I find that I have no problem with altitude, but it could happen. It could happen to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Then we'll move on to Barkley. Yeah, let's move on to Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> we rewatched it last you night. You guys have got because... the whole resume here. <laughs> well, we didn't know what to ask. There's what? so many different races. <laughs> but we're trying to pick something that worked. We knew, we knew we, Eco Challenge. We know Leadville. We know, we know Western. Western States. We know. So let's talk Barkley, which I don't know. I just know what I watched. Um, I got to ask you really, what was it that attracted you to Barkley? Because when I see Barkley, it looks like um, uh, doom and gloom. (laughs) It looks like the Blair Witch Project. You know, (laughs) there's nothing pretty about it. There's a bit of that. There's a bit of that. What what attracted Um, you to this? Nothing. (laughs) Um, When Alan decided to do it, he did it first in 2010 when I just had my knee surgery. Mm. And when he got in, he said, I don't want you doing this race. I want this to be my race. And I said, no problem. I have (laughs) zero interest in doing Barclay. So he went out and did it. And he did the fun run. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. And then the next year, 2011, I was able to get the time off to go out and crew him. Mm-hmm. And I, I was out there and I was crewing him and I got up to the fire tower and I went to all the places where I was able to go out on the course and see him and help him out and did all this stuff. And it felt very much more like an adventure race Mm. than a run and that's what attracted me was that this is not a run this is not a trail run this is an adventure race yeah and you know the for the next year we both got in and that's what we treated it as and that's what he had been treating it as was an adventure race so we got in and you know we started out 
really working as a team, mm-hmm. knowing that it was more of an adventure race than a run. And, you know, we were helping each other out. We were doing things to work with. We were with a couple of other guys. Um, so we were working together with them and it, it really had an adventure race feel to it. Uh, and that's what kind of kept me drawn into it was that very different feel. So that's, that's what did it for me. It was, you know, if, if you like adventure racing, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's navigation. It's yeah. going through stuff. No human should be going through and finding your way around. And it's, you know, well, if I, you can, if you get past the idea that this is a trail run, Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun as an adventure right. race. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people are struggling with these days is they're going in as a run and it just yeah. is not. It is so much more than that. that yeah. You know, you have to be prepared for all these other things. Hmm. Was it as hard so as that's you, what attracted? Was it as hard as you'd imagined or as it looks or, or is it harder? Probably harder. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. It's harder. And as a small female, I think it's harder than what even comes across because there's a lot of places where height is a real advantage, climbing over things, climbing walls, mm. climbing stuff, mm. a huge advantage. And then running down through um, the bushwhack sections, there's vines and things that wrap around your legs for a 160, 180 pound guy, those just tear away. Yeah. For a 105 pound woman, <laughs> they tie you down. You're going down, <laughs> and then it's rolling down the hill and having oh. to get back up, and you know. So there's some big differences that I I don't think people pay a lot of attention to the differences between being a fairly large, strong, heavy guy and a a small, strong but very light female body traveling through these areas so it's it's tough <laughs> but you did complete the fun run yourself yes and you did it both times yeah right? i did it i i completed a fun run in 2012 and 2013 and then 14 and 15 i did not but since then 2013 so. has any f- woman completed the fun run <laughs> you still no. hold this this record it still holds <laughs> it's unbelievable because there's been some serious women who have attempted <laughs> i'm just yeah. i'm sorry but part of it is like i said they're they're yeah. looking at it as a run yeah and yeah. it's more than that i thought amelia boone i think as a, a an obstacle course racer i kind of thought she had the best chance of anyone i've seen going in because she didn't look at it as a, as a run she knew she was going to have obstacles and things to do. But I think a lot of people are just, they, they aren't recognizing that it's not just out for a run. Well, for future just, women who want to really tackle Barkley, they really should pick your brain. They need to call you and say, <laughs> give me some advice out there. <laughs> Is that happening? <laughs> That's not happening? No, not at all. That's not crazy. All. <laughs> you are the knowledge mm-hmm. to at least get to three loops. <laughs> that's right no i it's I, and i've offered to talk to people i've offered to help out and 
They right. just well, they well, think Jody. They have it sorted out. So if you ever want to do that part of it, <laughs> there's your coach. Yeah, even I, you couldn't convince me. There's nothing that couldn't convince me to try she, that. She wouldn't even watch Blair Witch Project. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, if you like what you're hearing so far, give us a like and follow our social media. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can find all that at gotterunracing.com. Have you checked out our virtual series yet? We Run the North. Celebrating Canada's national parks features a total of 13 10-kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Well, there's Algonquin, and then there's BAM. Then, then that's it? Anyways, medals that connect, license plate style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit gotterunracing.com for more details. Now, back to the show. No, no, no. Never, ever, <laughs> there's ever. always the Barkley Fall Challenge now. <laughs> but there's lots of different iterations now. Yeah, but I don't know. It, there's nothing that appeals to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate and I commend all the people that have attempted it. And for you being the last woman standing to do the fun run, I think it's absolutely fabulous. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so we're going to do a little I was bit of a little disappointed yeah. when I didn't get credit for being the first Canadian to do a fun run. What? Oh. You're getting credit right yeah. now. First Canadian. Yes. First Canadian, first Canadian. There, three times. <laughs> So we're going to do a little bit fast forward to 2019. That's this 50, 15 or nine, 50, sorry, where you did uh, 19 ultras in one year. That's what I was counting on ultra sign up. That was a big year, 2015. I don't know if you can remember really? that year. <laughs> I don't know if you even realized this. Um, I'd have to look at that. I don't uh, ultra sign up puts up some weird stuff now. Okay. <laughs> so some of those may not have been ultras. I don't think I was hitting those kinds of okay. numbers in ultras. It's just that when we read them, it goes, but it sounds really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's once more than two a month or one a yeah, month. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. What do you do for a living? Yeah, I, I, apparently I run. <laughs> <laughs> I am an environmental scientist and data scientist for the California State Water Resources Control Board. Ooh, wow. That's a long time. So I, I geek out on data mostly and hope that my computer can handle the data that I'm working with. <laughs> so other than the cold weather, is that what brought you to California, your career? Um, it actually wasn't the cold weather. That was just a bonus. I I would have loved to have stayed in Calgary, but I had a, a master's degree in evolutionary biology and there weren't a lot of jobs floating around. And I managed to just sort of stumble on a, an ad for a job at San Diego State University for an evolutionary biologist. Mm -hmm. So I applied and they flew me down there and that got me to San Diego and I... Once I got settled, it was like, yeah, I don't want to live through a Canadian winter again. <laughs> Sounds good. That's so, amazing. So I stayed down there. <laughs> so I, I am curious because um, Norm and I are both in our early 50s and we've we've spoken to a lot of runners that are in their 50s now. And 
you know, for, for those of us that are maybe finding that challenging, can you, can you share a couple of things that you find are so important to your training that allow you to continue on with the longer distances, especially with your knee, but obviously there's a balance there when it comes to nutrition or strength training or what, what do you find has helped you the most? Um, I think the biggest thing that I focus on is to not focus on running. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm much more about doing what looks like it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I don't get tied to any kind of training program. Um, it drives some of my friends crazy that they can't convince me to get a coach and train to do a (laughs) faster marathon. It's like, that just doesn't sound fun to me. So, you know, yesterday we went out from the cabin and did 19 miles of mountain hiking, which was awesome. It was fun and not a step of running on the the day. So, you know, that to me is what has kept me going with all of this stuff is just not focusing primarily on running. Mm -hmm. If I feel like going for a bike ride, I go for a bike ride. We got back into some short mountain bike races this past summer um, just branching out, doing different things and having fun with whatever you're doing. And, you know, I see so many people on Facebook these days where it's all about getting a billion miles in a year. And it's like, is, are you really having fun? Yeah. Are you really having fun doing that? And it's just, it seems to be turning into a job and it's sort of a, it's almost a one-upsmanship. Oh, this person did 3,000 miles this year. I need to do 3,500 miles this year. And it just, I don't know how good that is for any of us. And it's yeah. its not something I'm terribly interested in. So I, I just can... keep trying new things and have fun. Did you have fun when uh, you came first in the last annual heart? Of the South? Of the South, right? <laughs> That was pretty awesome. <laughs> that was that's quite a long title for a race. <laughs> we'll leave it to uh, Laz <laughs> come up with these crazy yeah. names. <laughs> was that the first time you saw Laz was Laz, that was Laz was had to be there, right? The first time you saw Laz since Barkley was that the at the South Race. Um, yeah, I think it. Uh, well, I did Vol State in 2019. Okay, so I saw him there. He didn't actually, oh yeah, he did show up at Heart of the South. He was, he kept himself a little bit distant from Heart of the South because he was concerned about COVID and being in kind of a high risk group. He didn't, and and in a state that was a high risk state, (laughs) (laughs) he didn't want to take any chances for himself. And he also has grandchildren that he was concerned about. So Mm. he kept away from the race largely. But he did show up a couple of times, which was nice. And it was good to see him. And then this year he was out fully. So, yeah, it's, it had been a while since I'd seen him. So for the, those of our listeners, because we weren't familiar with this event, can you kind of summarize what it's all about? Because it is unique in its own way. <laughs> it is. Um, and there's, there's actually now two. Uh, it started out with the last annual volunteer state road race which is a race that essentially goes across Tennessee from the northwest corner to sort of the southeast corner where Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia come together. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's 314 miles. And for, (laughs) for that one, also called Ball State, 
you can choose to be crude or screwed, which if you're screwed, if you run screwed, that means you get no assistance outside of what you can pick up along the way. So mm -hmm. it's going into mini marts to buy your food and water <laughs> and whatnot. There are various places along the, the course where locals will put out coolers with food and water. Um, there's a few places where they they set up the yards with like full aid stations and you know foot care products and just <laughs> totally they love the Vol State runners. So though that one started years, I'm not even sure how many years that one's been going on. But then in 2019, when they were doing the registration for the 2020 Vol State race something glitched in ultra sign up and it allowed twice as many people in as what they can actually allow in Ball state. So Laz felt like rather than just contacting this extra hundred and some odd people and saying, Oh, sorry, you're not in. <laughs> he created a new race. Wow. So that was the birth of the last annual heart of the South road race which and now for heart of the south rather than having a set course he's changing the course every year mm. so that first race in 2020 was similar to vol state it started on the the west side of tennessee it actually started can't even remember all the states over there but it started <laughs> uh, in the memphis area of tennessee and came and went through Mississippi and Alabama and just worked its way sort of down near the southern border of Tennessee mm. to finish in the same location. Uh, and that one was 340 miles. <laughs> For heart of the South, you have no option of being crewed. So everyone racing is on their own. Okay. Um, which I think is what it should be. I'm, I'm not a fan of the crude part for Vol <laughs> State, um, but that it was it was a really cool race. And that for Heart of the South, Alan at the last minute was able to come out and do it. So we did we ran it together, and you know it was just a fun, very cool way to see Southern states, parts yeah. of Southern states that very few people go to because the courses that Laz chooses. You know, goes through a lot of little iconic historic towns and mm -hmm. battle sites, and it's just a really a trip through history of the South. And it's it's a pretty cool way to spend a few days. And you and Alan came first and second, which is a way to what a way to finish that thing. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> there were a couple of people who were we were going back and forth with the first couple of days, and then um, I think it was the third day we finally passed the one um, Grant Mon. We passed him and never saw him again. And we were able to just stay out in front for the rest of it. And just, it was fun. It was a very cool <laughs> way to do it. <laughs> Fighting off dogs, uncontained <laughs> dogs along the way. And <laughs> How long did that take you? For Heart of the South, that one was four days 23 hours and, and change <laughs> like 30 something minutes. Yeah. And a little bit. Cool. So, did you sleep almost at all? five days? Did you sleep at all? We did actually, we got 
hotels three times Mm. for about two hours each time. So, you know, we would get a hotel, do a quick shower, rinse out all of our clothes, eat as much as we could stomach for, you know, in 10 minutes (laughs) and then sleep for an hour and a half and then pack up and head back out. So we did that three times. And then there were also, you know, five, 10 minute naps along the way. If Mm. you were, you were starting to stumble from being completely out of it, we just pull off on the side of the road and nap. (laughs) (coughs) My gosh. Incredible. (laughs) We could go on. I know. And on. But it's, that's a whole new different kind of crazy that Laz puts on. So (laughs) if you hear about a weird, weird style of racing, it's probably one of his. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, you represented Canada several times nationally in races uh, and I'm just curious to know what you think if ultra running deserves to be should be an Olympic sport by now or 100k or longer or would you like to see the, uh, an ultra run marathon in the Olympics at all soon um I find it kind of weird that it's not since they have the 50k walk <laughs> yes <laughs> it just it seems odd to me that you would you would do a 50k walk yeah but not a 50k run and i you know i guess the there's some weird olympic rules about the types of events that can go in but it's certainly ultra running is certainly an international sport it's it's 10 times bigger in Europe than what we have here in the United States and in Canada. So it, it just seems strange to me, you know, truly how many people are out walking 50 Ks? Why is <laughs> that an international <laughs> Olympic sport? But yeah, I, I think it's time to get something, whether it's a, a 50 K or a 50 mile to do something. And you could do, something that's readily filmable yes you know, they the one of the big issues they had with putting mountain biking into the olympics was it's difficult to film but they figured out a way to do that by making like eight to ten mile loops and that's you right. do them a bunch of times with cameras set throughout i don't see why that should be an issue for putting on a 50k or a 50 mile trail run so exactly. yeah, it's I I think it would be a good thing to get <laughs> there. I don't know how would you choose your runners. I don't know. So that that we'll actually see. I think could be part of the problem is that the, they have to have a um, a government body a, a governing body that would provide right. that grouping that has achieved the the status to get there. I think that's part of it. But hopefully but, one day skateboarding got in so (laughs) (laughs) if they can pull together a governing body (laughs) don't get me started (laughs) well i think yeah i think there's a possibility but we'll see we'll see by the time it gets there it'll be in the wane Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we let you go, we do a little rapid fire questions at the end of our podcast. All right. So do I only have like a second to answer these questions? Or we'll give what? you two seconds. <laughs> well, considering there's a little delay okay. in our feed, we'll give you two. Yeah. 
You ready? Are you ready? <laughs> I guess. Okay. Here's a good Canadian question for you. And you probably haven't had any of these in uh -oh. a long time, but butter tarts with or without raisins? Oh, absolutely with. Yes. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we don't agree on that one, but I agree with you completely. <laughs> uh, beer or wine or neither? Um, can I say both? Yes. yes. At the same time. <laughs> Absolutely, you can. <laughs> what is your favorite post-race reward, whether it's food or otherwise? Scrambled eggs. Mm. Post-race, really? That's interesting. <laughs> um, place you most want to travel to now, which is sort of relevant because we've all kind of been not traveling, <laughs> not race related. Yeah. Not race related. Galapagos islands. Ah, ah. I'm with you there. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite junk food, Bev? Um, probably chocolate chip cookies. Mm. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> Do you run with music ever? Um, I used to, I do periodically now. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Oh, my. <laughs> Within my life or any period? Oh, no, any period. Any period. Uh, Who would you want to run with back mm, in the day? <laughs> I think I would go to like prehistoric Australia. Oh, there's time and location. Oh, wow. That's, that is very detailed. Okay. And last question, pick a superpower. Flying. <laughs> it's a popular one. That is a popular one. Why not? Eh? That's awesome. Well, thank you again. Thanks we, so much. We really appreciated chatting with you today. Well, thank you. It was fun. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. There you go. <laughs> Bev apps. Just scratch the surface. I know. Honestly, we could have talked for another 10 hours about all of her achievements. We could have done another podcast about six, seven other races that she's done. Oh, way more than that. <laughs> I know, but just another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could keep going on and on yeah. and on. Incredible. Yeah. I love what she said, though, about having fun. Yeah. Have you fun know. with you doing. If you're not having fun, then don't do it, obviously. That's right. We agree with that 100%. Yeah. And again, the doctors said running is not going to happen in your future. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> she showed him. <laughs> yeah. She showed him. There you go. Yeah. That's Bev Abs. Amazing. Another amazing Canadian yes. woman. Yeah. Got it. Cheers. Ooh, that was quite the marathon. Thanks for listening to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Please visit us at gotterunracing.com for more information on our events or simply drop us an email at gotterunracing at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel to stream the video version of this episode. Oh, and if you like my voice, check me out at tylerherchuk.ca. T-Y-L-E-R-H-Y-R-C-H-U-K. Gotta run!